thank you for joining me for another edition of Ta Talk, where we take teaching theory and turn it into teaching practice. So our theme for the year has been talking about things that you can do in the classroom to enrich uh, your students' learning, um, and specifically for gifted students, but these can be used with all students. But when you have gifted students in your classroom, your task with the having to challenge these students and having to enrich uh, them further than just what they already come to the class knowing. So how can you take it further? So what I'm gonna be talking about today is the idea of student choice. In education, different teachers have different strategies when it comes to student choice. Some teachers give students very little choice and they are, they are providing the content, they are giving them what it is they're gonna be learning and they're gonna, they're gonna spoon feed that. Um, and then there are teachers that uh, are a little uh, less strict about that, and they give students a lot of choice. Um, and the idea behind this choice is it's going to create uh, independent learners. It's going to improve their executive functioning skills, because in order to be an independent learner, you have to learn how to manage your time. You have to learn how to prioritize. You have to be somewhat organized. Um, and so student options is always a really good idea for students, especially with your gifted students, because their options may be even more so because they have the ability to learn at such a high level, or they bring a lot of skills or knowledge with them to the class that they can put into use. Now we have to ask ourselves, how can we give students choice? How does it manifest itself in the classroom? What does it look like? So there are five areas, just to keep it simple, that you can offer choice in. It is the, the when, the what, the how, the who, and the where. Um, and so I'll talk about each of those individually so you can see what those look like. So for example, the what. The what is, what is it that students are supposed to be learning? What is it they're supposed to be getting from it? What is their, you know, the learning objective? Um, and so what happens a lot of times in your traditional classroom is the teacher decides this for students and it they take them lockstep through this process of learning what it is that they're supposed to be learning. But what if instead you gave students a little bit of choice and what it is they were going to be learning? Now I know in a lot of cases we are tied to content standards and we are required to teach certain things or skills so that students are ready for state mandated testing or whatever. But within those content standards, there is choice of the what. So for example, when I was teaching the American Revolution, I had six weeks set aside to teach them the basics of the American Revolution. And in that six weeks, we were gonna just touch on the very basics of what happened because it's a you know it's a five-year war. There's the what happens leading up to it that caused the war, there's the aftermath of it. There's a lot of material to cover um, in just a, a short amount of time. What I had to ask myself then is. Did I want students to just get a basic overview of the American Revolution or did I want them to go a little more in depth? And so what I realized was that I was not gonna be able to teach them everything about the, the American Revolution um, and then get an in-depth learning. What I could do is give them choice in what it is that they learned. And then they could, be, they could really go deep into that one topic. So for example, um, I would give them this, I would give them a brief kind of a, a lecture over the, the basics of the American Revolution. And from that, I would bring up topics, people, battles, documents, whatever that I felt were important. And then 
after hearing about these, I let students choose one that they wanted to go more in depth um, in learning about. So for example, they may have chosen the Articles of Confederation. They may have chosen the Battle of Saratoga. They might have chosen George Washington. They may have chose, chosen the Hessians. There are all these topics that they could choose, but they had to become experts. And so now I took that six weeks and instead of me giving, giving them the what, they chose what, it, what they were gonna be learning over the course of this time. Um, and so they had to become experts in that and then they had to teach the class about it in whatever way that they chose to teach. It could be a lecture, could they could create a video, they could create a document for people to read. They had choice in that as well. And so what I had is students would say, okay, I'm really interested. I had one group that said, I wanna learn about the Boston Massacre. Um, and they really looked into the Boston Massacre and they found things that I didn't even know about the Boston Massacre um, and what were the causes of it um, and you know what what brought about the Boston Massacre and how it could have been avoided, how it really didn't, I mean, as it's written in the textbook, um, it's about like this, this skirmish between um, American or the colonists and the British and the colonists were, you know, innocent in this and the, the British were the bad guys. And but when they when they really dug deeper into it, they found that this was not necessarily the case, um, that there were uh, factors going on that caused us. And so I just was blown away at what they were able to find because I gave them the time and I let them choose something that they were interested in. So um, the way these groups were formed is they, they formed quite organically. Cho students chose what they wanted to learn, and then I put students together who chose the same thing. And so students were really motivated because it's something that they chose, and they were able to, so there might have been a group of one, there might have been a group of five, there might have been a group of seven, but students got choice um, by, the, and by the what that they, they chose. And at the end of that, then they they gave their their lessons and they were much more in depth than I would have been able to give in that six weeks time. And so, and the student also learned a lot of valuable 21st century skills by doing this, whether it's research, uh, how to break something down into steps and teach it, um, how to, to put together, you know, a, a, a presentation and give that presentation, lots of skills that they were learning as well. And so I felt that our time is better spent um, on this what, by giving them choice in the matter um, and what they were going to learn. And it, it doesn't always work that way. There, there are sometimes you have to cover everything, um, but there are other times where you don't have to cover everything and maybe you give students choice in that matter. Next would be when. So when do students learn something? And what I mean by this is the management of their time. Oftentimes what happens is we will walk students day by day by day through what they're supposed to be doing. So today, this is what I would like you to accomplish. Tomorrow, this is what I would like you to accomplish. Instead of doing it that way, what if you said to students, I'm giving you three weeks to learn this particular topic. And at the end of that three weeks, you have to have a product that shows me a mastery of what it is that you learned. But how you divide your time up within that three weeks is totally up to you. And so what this does is it teaches kids time management. It teaches them how to prioritize. It teaches them how to um, figure out what it is that they need to do at, at a given time and when, when more, most importantly, when it's gotten away from them and they need to, to do a little more work to get caught up. So some teachers bristle at this idea because they, if you give a student three weeks, they'll wait to the last minute to do it. 
So you just need to design assignments that they can't do at the last minute, that they can't do in one or two days. If you are giving them three weeks to do something, then it should be you know an assignment that, uh, that is going to require them to work for three weeks. And this can be done through project-based learning, it can be done through inquiry learning, it can be done through all sorts of things. But the idea here is that you're giving students a choice of when they're going to be doing things. So it may take one student only a couple days to do the research that they need to do. It may take another student four days. And you're allowing them to figure out what, how much time they're going to need and to plan that out. And so this when is really important uh, for them to understand how to pace themselves. Um, and so you can take it to an even more extreme. So when I was teaching science, uh, how I taught my class was I put all six units up on this bulletin board and I told them you have 180 days to learn the, uh, the learning objectives underneath each of these units. And you can go in any order you want. You can go, you know, you can, you can tackle any of these, how you choose to do that. But you have to decide when you're going to do each of these. So you might spend six weeks on one, you might spend two weeks on another, but you're going to have to prove to me through mastery, uh, either a product or an assessment or something like that, that you learn what it is that you said you were going to learn. So I gave students a lot of win, and this was probably one of the most rewarding years of teaching that I ever had because you walked into my classroom and I had 25 kids in the classroom and they were each working on something different at a different time. And it was chaos, but at the same time, it was just beautiful because students were learning how to manage their time. And these were fifth and sixth graders. These were not high school students. And uh, out, of the, out of the 55 students, I think I had to get on between all my classes, um, all the students got done by the end of the year, but one. And the one that didn't get done, we had scaffolded and he was, uh, um, uh, we caught, get, got him caught up. So he got what he needed to get. We just had to help him out a little bit at the end. Um, and so, but everyone else worked independently. They, they managed their own time, their own calendar. They decided when they were going to learn something. Um, and it doesn't have to be that extreme. You could say, you know, in the course of the next three days, here are our learning objectives. So by the end of those three days, um, you know, make sure you have that done. This is kind of like the Montessori approach. So Montessori would say by the end of the week, you need to accomplish this, 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 and this. So you manage your time. Uh, both of my daughters went to Montessori school and they became pretty good at managing their time because they were giving choice in when they were going to do something. Um, and so giving students this choice is going to allow them to, you know, develop those skills. And it's and the fear is it's going to also create bad habits because again students will figure out how to do something the, the least amounts um, or figure out how to do if you give them three weeks they're going to figure out how to get it done in a week. Um, but what that that allows them to do if they can get it done in a week is it gives them more opportunity to go even more in depth. So I always tell students if I give you three weeks to do something, um, it's never done. Uh, so students would come to me after two weeks and say I'm done, Mr. Stanley, and I'm always say what else could you add to it. What else can you do to show me the depth of your mastery, of your understanding? Um, and so that's the nice thing about setting it up, assignments like these, is that when you give them a time frame, it allows them to, to go even deeper than what they than if they you just gave them one day to do something. At the end of that day, you're stopping. So when is another um, choice that students could have in your classroom? 
how is another choice that you might get them? So how is it that you're going to assess them? How is it that they're going to learn it? And there's lots of how choices in there. So let me start with assessments. So when I gave students um, an assignment, I would give them choices in what it is that they were, how they were going to be assessed. So what you see here is um, a menu, kind of a menu board where they could choose one of these items um, to show me that they mastered it. And so students would say, you know what, I'm pretty good at PowerPoint, so let me do a presentation. Or I'm pretty good at, you know, uh, writing, so let me write an essay. So they could find what their strengths were. Um, and then how, but how they showed me their mastery was totally up to them. We, we kind of, in the traditional um, way of doing things in the classroom, everyone takes the same test. And the how is determined for them. And students have zero choice in how is they're showing their mastery. And so giving students choice in that is going to allow them to tap into things that they are good at. It's going to motivate them more because they're getting a say-so and how it is that they're going to show this mastery. And they may be able to, and it doesn't, it also doesn't limit you to your own imagination. So in other words, if I give an assessment to kids and I write the assessment, that assessment is just within the, the parameters of my own imagination of what they can show me they've learned. So I may say, I may think that they can show me this and this would show mastery. They may be able to take it even further than that or show something mind blowing. And so by giving them options, they are going to show you things that they wouldn't have otherwise because your assessment might have limited them to a certain type of thinking, but the way that they're choosing to do it is going to open up a lot of possibilities. And so the, the how can be done in assessments, the how can be done in how they learn it. So some kids are good auditory learners, some are good, good at, you know, um, visual learning. And so are you giving them options when it comes to, are they going to watch a video? Are they going to read a chapter in a book to learn? So how are they, how are they going to go about learning it? So th those are also things that you can consider when it comes to the how. The next way that you can provide students with choice is the who. So who are they going to do the learning with? And this comes down to collaboration and group work. So when students are going to be doing work, do they have any say in who they have learning with them? So a lot of times in a traditional classroom, what it looks like is the teacher just divides the students up and then puts them into groups and then they have to work with those groups. What if you gave students a choice on who they worked with? Um, I always thought this was a really valuable lesson uh, because what, obviously happens at the beginning of this process is students will choose their best friend or their, their best buddy to work together. And then what they find is that maybe their best buddy isn't the best worker. Maybe their, their best buddy does not produce quality work and it's going to be affecting their grade because they chose poorly. Um, and so what they tend to learn is who they can depend on and who would be good to work with. Um, and then it also causes those kids who are maybe not doing the work that they should be doing to kind of rise up a little bit because they're like, if, if I don't get better at this, then people are not going to want to work with me. People are not going to want to choose working with me. Um, and so th this is the opportunity to give students uh, the choice of who they work with. Now, you can always mix that up. So you can like ask them to choose one person they would like to work with and then have someone else choose someone they like to work with, and then you put those two together. 
Um, but I, and I think it's good that you mix it up when it comes to grouping of students, but giving them some choice in who they work with is, is really important. And I, I get this feedback from students all the time, which is that when they are working in groups, they would have liked to have been able to have chosen their groups because they would have chosen differently. They would have, because maybe they, they knew that someone could contribute something from another group to this group. So, uh, you know, giving them choice in the who they're going to be working with. Um, even in their day-to-day -day practice. So if they are, you know, if they are, you're doing an activity that involves them working with a lab partner, do they get to choose their lab partner? Um, and you don't have to give them total autonomy on this, but you do have to give them some. You need to give them the opportunity to make good choices. And just as importantly, giving them the opportunity to make bad choices. But what will happen is that once students get a feel for who can do what, then they're going to start making much better choices. And this will translate in their own lives where they're going to make better choices when they're in the workforce, when they're having to you know, choose who they're going to work on a project with. You know, they're going to choose the best person for the job, not the person who's the funniest or the good, best looking or things of that nature. They're going to choose more wisely. And so giving them some choice in this shows them you know, what are good choices, what are bad choices. I mean, also it will allow them to take it possibly to the next level. So if they choose wisely, you know, between the two or three of the people that they cho they chose, they may have to produce something at a much higher level than if they had worked just by themselves. And that's always been my kind of credo for group work is that if they can work by themselves and produce just as high quality work, then why have them work in groups? The only reason why you should have students working in groups is that because the synergy that they create together is going to allow them to make something, you know, just awesome and is going to, you know, be way above what they could have done had they just been working individually. Another place where you can offer student choice is in the where. Now, the where comes down to the setting. Now, you obviously don't have a lot of say so in where it is they're going to be learning. In other words, are they going to be learning in your classroom or in, they're in your classroom? Uh, but there are some things that you can do within your classroom to change that setting. So for example, if students are learning a math problem, um, could they just go online, watch a video, either they have found or that you have provided, and then be able to do that math concept having learned from the video? Or are students you have a student who maybe needs a little more one-on-one -on -one time, more face-to-face -face with the teacher to explain, to break it down and explain it to them. So give students a choice and, and that's how they're going to learn it. So that where, where is their, where is the setting of where they're going to learn it? Is it going to be just online? Is it going to be face-to-face? -face? Is it going to be a mixture of the two? Um, I, I see a lot of times what happens is teachers either offer one or the other but they're not really offering anything. They're just, this is what you're getting. Uh, so they may sh have students all watching, be working online on an online program where they might just be, you know, giving them, uh, you know, direct instruction throughout. But are, the, are there opportunities for you to give students choice in this where? Um, so that's something to consider. So now that we've covered the what, when, how, who, and where, the logical question would be, what about the why? We can't forget the why. You as the teacher are the one who, who is producing the why in this case. So why is it that students are learning this? And this comes in you being explicit about what their goals are, uh, what the context of what they're learning, how it fits into the big picture of things. And, and basically, you know, answering that age old question is, why should I be learning this? You as the teacher need to be able to to convey that to students. And this is what Hattie talks about as visible learning or making your, your learning objectives very transparent. 
And so you as the teacher, no matter how much choice you give kids, you still need to make it very clear to them why is it that they're learning what they're learning? Um, you know, why is it important? Why, why are they going to need it later in life? And so on and so forth. So you as the teacher are going to be providing that why, but you can certainly give students lots of choices in the others. Uh, and so you have to ask yourself the question of how much choice are you providing students? And is that choice enabling students to produce work that it would be better should, if they didn't have a choice. Uh, so by giving your students, especially your gifted students, the choice in matters, they may take it to a whole other level. Um, and so this gives them the opportunity to do that. 